What shall we compare the kingdom of God to? What's it like? And what parable should we use to describe it? If you have ears to hear, listen. Listen is an oft-used word we use and we say to children, right? We want their attention, and we want to know that not only are they looking at us, but they are actually hearing us and can repeat back what we've said to them. And if you as a parent have used this word quite a bit, your child might be saying it to you as well. Listening well is not something that is always easy to do. We can hear the words people say to us, but it's the body language and the inflections in the voice, and it's listening for what the person is not saying that will often give us a fuller picture of what the person is saying. We all get distracted easily. We all need reminding to listen, to lift up our eyes off of our devices and to the person who is talking with us. Jesus begins his teaching in Mark 4 with the word, listen. There are several other times in Mark 4 Jesus calls on his people to listen. The Greek word used here for listen is the same one used in Hebrew in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, for the word hear. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words, also known as the Shema, represent the most important teaching in the Old Testament. And in Mark chapter 4, Jesus uses the same word to indicate the teaching on the kingdom is at the same level of importance. Chapter 4 in Mark is taken up with seed parables. The parable of the sower, the seed growing secretly, and the mustard seed. Tim Geddert, in his commentary on Mark, sees two main lessons in this chapter. One, God's kingdom is ultimately victorious, no matter the obstacles that may presently lie in its way. And two, Jesus challenges his followers to have hearing ears and seeing eyes. When it comes to parables, there is a lot that we could talk about, and it can take patience to allow the time for it to be heard. These parables tell us that the kingdom is near, and breaking into our ordinary world where we dwell. The images have familiarity to them, but there is a strangeness to them as well. They convey, I think, that the kingdom transcends our attempts to define it. Again, Tim Geddert writes this, Contrary to all expectation, the kingdom comes secretly. Its presence is discerned only by those who recognize God at work in this ministry and the message of Jesus. If only those around Jesus allow their ears to truly hear and their eyes to truly see, they will discern in Jesus' words and deeds the arrival of God's kingdom. So what do we mean by the kingdom of God? 
Jesus didn't provide a simple to understand blueprint of what he meant. We know it has something to do with God's sovereign authority, but is it here already? And if so, where can it be found? And do we know we are a part of it? We don't get straightforward answers. We get parables that seem simple, yet they can also confound us. If you have ears to hear, listen. When I think of the kingdom, I see it as Jesus enacting his way, about breaking into the world, into the church, and into each of us. This is not something that was understood when Jesus began his ministry. N.T. Wright writes this, that is why Jesus told so many parables. His kingdom vision was so unlike that of his contemporaries that the only way to get through to launch his followers upon this strange new vocation that would continue, energized by another dramatic event, dramatic life-changing event, Pentecost, after his death, resurrection, and ascension. So how does Jesus talk about and describe the kingdom of God? In Mark 4, he doesn't use sweeping, grandiose uh, language. He doesn't lift our eyes up to the hills and to the stars. He uses metaphor that's so incredibly simple. The kingdom of God is like a seed that is sown and grows up for harvest. What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? What parable would you use? A mustard seed. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed? Really? The kingdom of God is like something majestic, something powerful, and something really big, like a mountain or a redwood tree or an eagle. Not a mustard seed. I don't stand in awe of seeds. This is like comparing the kingdom of God to a dandelion. It sows itself. It shows up in our ordered lives without, without our planning or expectation. It's tough to get rid of, but we do try to get rid of it so that the order we have planned can continue unblemished. The smallness of the seed, of the mustard seed, characterized as the smallest of all seeds, is contrasted with the size of the final tree. Parables paint scenes from the natural world, but always with a strange twist or incompatible detail. The fact that the mustard seed doesn't really grow into the largest of all garden plants, but just a large bush, nor is it the smallest of all seeds. The mustard seed was frequently referred to by ancient Jews as the proverbial picture of smallness. The fact that there are smaller seeds is irrelevant. It is the contrast that is the focus. While it has small beginnings, the results are surprising. Sharon Ring writes this, any farmer in Jesus' audience would be left shaking her head at this story. The kingdom of God and mustard weeds simply don't belong in the same sentence. Mustard is indeed an herb with medicinal properties, 
and one that is useful for flavoring and preserving food. The mustard bush, though, is a garden pest. No one would sow it on purpose. It grows all too readily on its own, and once it appears, it takes over the field. The small size of the mustard seed may be familiar, but it is not the smallest seed, nor is the mustard bush the largest of all shrubs. Exaggeration follows irrationality. How could this be good news for us? It would have been good news for people, to the people aware of the small beginnings of Jesus's ministry or of their own struggling community. These parables have to be read with the excitement and urgency of this idea in view, or else for us now, they become only quaint little stories with simple moral lessons. Seeds are small and vulnerable, but can sprout and grow even in tough times. Do you feel that we are still in a difficult time? Things aren't like they were before. People have stopped coming to church in person, and people have left this church for other churches or no church. But the good news is that in tough times, seeds that are small and vulnerable can still grow. We can at times feel discouraged, but the growth of the kingdom does not depend on how big our church gets or the amount of faith-based organizations there are or the acceptance or rejection of our biblical principles by the society we live in. God's kingdom will never fail. It is invincible. We are called to keep being faithful to his call on our individual lives and as our church as a whole. The kingdom is not what we always expect. Just because something is small doesn't mean it's ineffective. And just because something is large doesn't mean it is effective. The kingdom may have small beginnings. It may be overlooked by only by all but the most discerning, but the growth will still result in something that cannot be overlooked. It reminds me of children. They begin very small, of course, and as they grow, we can easily overlook their gifts, their insights, if we're not listening. We need to be reminding, be, we need reminding that they are the church not only of the future, but they are the church right now, as they are. They are fully human, but still developing. If God has given us a mustard seed, Let's not waste our lives pining for a redwood. Whether large or small, the church and each of us is to be responsible for whatever God has entrusted to our care. We have no idea what the future might bring. It's a lesson I practiced learning when I worked at Youth for Christ many years ago. The ministry I served for many years was small. At first, it was the drop-in ministry. Sure, we had lots of kids attending, but the times of real connections, looking at scripture together, showing the way of Jesus, was small. 
Then there was the young moms group I was a part of, and we had a consistent number of young women attending, but growth was a slow process. And I was especially aware of the smallness and incremental growth when comparing it to another ministry at Youth for Christ, Camp Cedarwood. The poster child for being successful ministry and kids becoming Christians in large numbers just in one summer. But being faithful to what God called me to at that time was serving the people that he brought me. I had no idea where they ended up. If they stuck to their faith, they began as a youth. There were many who didn't come to faith at that time that I knew. But I knew that that was not my burden to carry. I was called to serve youth and young moms, to share the gospel in its many forms, to walk alongside young women and their children, and know that God's spirit worked ahead of me and beyond me. The kingdom of God is enacted by God, not by human effort. It comes in God's time, and thus, from a human standpoint, it always comes as a surprise. Let's look briefly at the last part of this parable in verse 32, where it says, the phrase is that the birds of the air, the bush grew so large that the birds of the air perch in its shade, or another version says, its branches. Now this verse, this phrase, possibly connects this parable with several Old Testament passages where trees are used as metaphors of other nations. In Ezekiel 17, to 24, for example, it says this, the sovereign Lord says, I myself will take a shoot from the very top of a cedar and plant it. I will break off a tender sprig from its topmost shoots and plant it high on a lofty mountain. On the mountain heights of Israel, I will plant it. I will produce branches and bear fruit and become a splendid cedar. Birds of every kind will nest in it. They will find shelter in the shade of its branches. The birds there symbolize the nations that flock to Israel's God. There has been some suggestion that the birds mentioned here may refer to the inclusion of many nations into the kingdom of God. So the parable may be pointing to mission and the growth of the gospel. It, of course, fits with a, what Jesus proclaims in Matthew 28 about making disciples of all nations, the Great Commission. Placing this reference with the parable of the kingdom points to its importance. Reaching out and welcoming all people, what that looks like can be surprising too. Our reaching out to bring in refugees started more than 15 years ago with a couple of people in our church asking if we could help bring a family over. The beginning of a refugee committee was born after that when there were other connected families that we helped. And of course, the story is not over as we continue to plan and help people settle here into a safer place. When we think about God's kingdom, don't we somehow know it's near whenever unrelated things come together? 
Janet Hunt writes that seed and soil, sunshine and rain are entirely different elements, but they come together to make something new under the sun. Like we, when we experience a variety of people giving money and time to bring refugees here rather than being fearful of people who are different from us. Whenever we see kindness in unexpected places healing when there is only brokenness, welcome when it's easier to ignore, courage where fear would be more reasonable, generosity when our first impulse is to keep the best for ourselves, and life when there was only death. And when they come together, don't we also experience something entirely new under the sun? Do you suppose that's what Jesus was getting at when he told these stories? The kingdom of God acts as an emulsifier, like mustard in dressings, to bring together elements that normally wouldn't fit, but do when the right ingredient brings them together. If you have ears to hear, listen. There is no easy take-home message for us in this parable. It asks that we engage our imaginations to follow the possibilities and incongruities that we distinguish between a world where everything is planned, linear, and logical, to one filled with mysteries and surprises into which God calls us. I'm going to reread the parable slowly. So if you have ears to hear, listen. Think about the setting. Imagine yourself there. Jesus is on the water on a boat, close to shore. And you are there on the shore, listening. It's a lovely day, like a summer day in Winnipeg. And as you listen, focus on what you are hearing. How can I show you what the kingdom of God is like? What story can I use to explain it? Kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. The mustard seed is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. But when you plant this seed, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants. It produces large branches. Even the wild birds can make nests in it and be protected from the sun. Listen, what is the Spirit saying to you? What are the mustard seed stories in your life, in our context? When, we, when do we see the kingdom of God in our midst? And what are the stories of your life when you have been part of the breaking in of God's kingdom? Take time to meditate and think of these things. Talk about them with your family and friends. Ask your children where they see God at work and how they can be part of what God is already doing. Let's pray. 
Lord God, we give you thanks for your word and for these parables. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see what surprises you have for us. Amen.